0: Hello, and welcome to the Grove Church Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are so glad that you are joining us. Whether you are a member and you're just catching up on a sermon that you missed, or you're someone who's brand new, we are really glad that you are joining us. And if you are new in some way, and I know that a lot of people will do that, will listen to sermons first before they visit, I want you to know that we would love to meet you at any point. You can join us live in our services on Sunday, 9 and 1030, or our streaming service at 1030. Either way, we would love to be able to get to know you. And regardless of why you are here uh, listening to this sermon today, thank you so much for joining us.
1: All right. Well, hey, good morning. Good morning. I'm Mark, and uh, I want to welcome you. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but these uh, these bumpers are always so awesome, man. It feels like we're uh, jacked up by what we're about to talk about, man. Uh, creative Team just does an awesome job uh, making those and uh, kind of setting us up for, for where um, yeah, this, uh, this series, I uh, hope you've gotten to be a part of a little bit of it. If you want to uh, go back and check it out, uh, just talking about his life and his journey. Um, you know, one of the things that really sticks out to me is I just I appreciate when somebody is passionate about something. Even sometimes when the, it's for something that's not, no good, but I I just appreciate, I just appreciate passion. You know, Paul. Uh, before meeting Jesus on that road and making a tremendous change. He was passionate even uh, before he was zealous for his beliefs. Uh, just kind of an all-in. And <laughs> I remember some stories. There there were these three friends of mine uh, back in high school. And I, I could tell you, we could spend the morning telling these stories, and you wouldn't believe half of them. But uh, one, they, they used to play this game, uh, mailbox. I never did that. Uh, if you did, uh, everybody raise your hand now. No, no, I know did. uh, I didn't. Uh, I, they would do it pretty often, and there, there was one road, you know, snake, some mailboxes that were hanging out, you know, almost in the road, and they were pretty easy to hit if you were to do something like that. And, um, and there, one of those mailboxes was one of the teachers, and they, in particular, didn't like that, that teacher. And the mailbox always got targeted, like, nearly every weekend. And so this teacher came in and reinforced it several times. The way he reinforced it didn't work. So he got this farmer to come out and weld him and use, like, really thick, strong metal and, like, weld together this invincible mailbox. So you know what those guys did? They, uh, they parked a little ways away. Down in the ditch. Uh, when cars were passing by they would stay in the ditch. When it was clear, somebody would be on the lookout. The other one would be a little bit of that. Saw a little bit more of that mailbox until they took the mailbox down. Yeah. You talk about perseverance? Right? I mean you gotta appreciate, even though that was a that was a really bad thing to do, you gotta appreciate that they were up all night, the energy that it took, the planning that it took to pull that thing off these guys also i still don't know how they did this like 20 miles away from the school there was a farm that had a a bull statue and yeah somehow that bull statue made it from there the 50 yard line of the football field and i don't i don't know how they did it but i appreciate that they pulled it off they put that much effort into it that they wanted it that bad and when you when you look at paul's life you just start to see that and Uh, you know, Gladiator, or The Patriot, or uh, Liam Neeson's multiple times that he loses somebody and has to chase them down. (laughs) You know, uh, it it seems you know, they've they've made the evaluation and decided that no matter the cost, no no matter uh, what harm comes to them, it's, it's worth it. This, this thing that they're a part of, this thing they're doing, it's, it's, there's something that draws us into that because to see somebody that's on fire that much is amazing because you don't know what might happen next. And it does feel like when we start reading through Acts and, and reading the letters of Paul and looking at what his life looks like, a person who's, who's all in, <laughs> In the deep end, not just, uh, you know, and today we're going to kind of focus in on his call and, and what the driving force was behind this passion that was in Paul's heart. And, um, and you remember, uh, Charlie talked about it. Jesus describes this call on Paul's life to Ananias, the guy that, that went to him in that um, straight street, it says, uh, when he and talked to him. And he said, he's going to be the carrier of his name to the Gentiles and the Jews. And you know, Charlie talked about this, that's a difficult spot to be in. I mean, that means he was going to take fire from both sides. And his life shows it. And actually next week we're going to get a little bit more into those different persecutions and trials. But it meant uh, physical abuse, it meant challenges in every way. Challenges to his to his message, to even his right uh, and place to be able to speak about these things. Uh that's what we're going to look at today actually in 2 Corinthians the Corinthians have looked at him and pretty much decided, you know, you're not really that great of a of a public speaker. Like, there's some other guys that are more attractive than you, that can speak better than you ha- can. I mean, like, they've just started to kind of demean, like, do you even, like, have the right to have this authority and, and to be able to speak to these things? And so he's defending himself and speaking from his heart. And so I'm just going to break this down. And uh, and I would encourage these are the kind of verses uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that need to be taken really really slow and we could spend a whole lot of time so i throw out the challenge for you to go back and read it later and take it as slow as you can possibly take it because there's just a lot here um but but i'm just going to try to pull out and make a few points and i think the the first one is y'all i think paul actually believed this stuff and i know that seems like a oh yeah of course he did but i mean y'all really like, like, I think he, he believed this stuff. Like, like, he believed it was true. Because you see the way he responds. It's not just that it's kind of true or that it's something that I, that I give a head nod to. You see this kind of commitment, this kind of uh, all-out devotion. It shows, man, he, he believes it. You know, with a buddy this week, we, uh, we led this group uh, kind of talking about uh, Hindus and, and what it looks like to follow Jesus in India. And, and one of the things that believers in Jesus, followers of Jesus in India, they will refer to themselves as bhaktas, which that word is a word that means devotee. And I think that's significant because as, as we talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus, we will say, I believe in him. We will sometimes say, "I follow him." That word, "devoted," is a really powerful word. To be a devotee of Jesus, I don't just give it a head nod, but I I believe it like a. It looks like Paul does. Let's let's look at it here in chapter five, beginning in verse thirteen. He says, "If we're out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind." It is for you, the Corinthians. For Christ's love compels us. <laughs> you almost feel like, man, that the, the power of this belief and this this reality that, that, that Jesus in his in his change in his life and his desire to change others, he just sends him out. It can't can't be stopped. He compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Again, if, if you believe this, like Paul believes it, then it means everything changes. Everything is different. And you look at it, it says he's, he's convinced of this, that one died for all and therefore all died. He's convinced. Are you convinced when you hear uh, the weatherman say it's going to rain tomorrow? I'm the person in the room that whenever somebody says we're trying to plan something and it's going to be outside and they say, well, I was watching the news last night and the weatherman said it's supposed to rain. I'm the one that says, it ain't going to rain. In fact, there's probably a better chance that it won't rain if they said it was going to rain because we live in Arkansas, y'all. Uh, Sorry. Uh, my wife's a teacher, and she was talking about doing an earthquake drill. And that one of the kids said, ain't no earthquakes in, in Arkansas. What are we doing? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, if you know what the weather's like here. So I'm the one that's like, it ain't going to rain. It, 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 it'll, it'll be just fine. You don't have to worry about it. It's gotten me in trouble sometimes because also, if you know me very well, I've got a, a Jeep that I try to leave the top off of about half the year. And so, yeah, sometimes it does rain. And I look really stupid. And I, I, there's been a few times this year that somebody's driving past me, looking at me. In fact, I got a call from my mom saying, uh, somebody saw you and told me that my son's driving around in the rain with a top off. They even tried to find another car for me because they're like, what are, you, what are you doing? I'm like, I can get another car. I, I prefer to be in the, because you know what happens? There are those moments that you look foolish. But man, the moments that uh, the weather's just right. And no other yahoos with a jeep had enough time to get the top off. But you got the top off already, and the day is perfect for it. Those days are, are, worth, are worth the others. Uh, one of the worst times here recently, though, uh, it was a thunderstorm, and it was lightning coming back from something we had here at night, and there was lightning everywhere. And uh, I had never really thought through, if you... Get struck, you know, when you're in your car, you don't worry about that. But if the top's off and you get struck by lightning, is that dangerous? I can answer the question because I looked it up. Yes, it is. Uh, If I believed that, I would drive home really, really fast. And I wasn't sure that night. And I was like, but, but that lightning could hit me. I should probably get home really fast. If I believe it, I do something about it. Paul believes it. And so he does something about it. It's that simple. And look what else he says. He says, uh, those who live, if this is true, then those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and who was raised again. If this Jesus was the Son of God and did that, laid down his life for us and came back from the dead, if that's true, then we should no longer live for ourselves, but for him who did that. You know, almost exactly like that, there was a a missionary from missions history, a guy named C.T. Studd, who I've talked about here before, kind of my favorite because he wrote down a lot of things and a lot of his quotes are just insane. And also his life, he was a a cricket player. Uh, If you haven't watched cricket, you probably should. But uh, he was a cricket player, really good. Uh, His team, uh, you know, had the chance to go on and make a profession of it. But the Cambridge Seven, when they graduated, they left and went to China. And they worked with Hudson Taylor there, taking the gospel to the inner parts of China. And then after that, he made a tour in India, trying to do the same thing in India. And then in his later life, he went to Africa and took the gospel to the interior of Africa. He was just an incredible dude. And one of his famous quotes is, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Is that true? I think it is. I think this gospel demands it. And you look at this Paul, and it's like, man, he, he actually believed it. And, you know, I, I think about, like, somebody dying for you, and, like, I, I haven't been in a burning car that somebody uh, risked their life to save me from or, or anything like that. Um, but last year, so like I said, Terry, Terry's a teacher, and um, one of the girls on her team uh, needed a kidney replacement. And so I knew. I was kind of tracking with it. We were praying for her and what was going on. And, and you know, she's, her family members were going through the testing to see if, if they could uh, potentially uh, donate their kidney for her. And, um, and so I was like, well, that man, all right, we'll pray for that. And then Terry came home and said none of the, the family members checked out. It wouldn't work. And so now it's, it's broadening out to the friend group. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, I know where this is going. Sure enough, man, my girl done offered up her kidney. And I don't like, I mean, going under the knife or anything related to the hospital scares me half to death for me anyway. But then I'm like, but that's your kidney. And y'all, I know this sounds really selfish, but I'm like, does she really need your kidney? I mean, there's a lot of kidneys out there. What if I need your kidney one day? You know, like like this is a big deal to give up your kidney for somebody. And what do you feel like if you're the person who needs the transplant? Maybe somebody in here has had something like this and somebody would be willing to give up their kidney for you. And now the rest of your life, you're carrying around their kidney. What kind of What kind of devotion, what kind of respect, what kind of appreciation do you feel in your heart? And that's just a kidney, <laughs> which is important, I know. But Man, this, this Jesus, if he be Christ and died for us, then what sacrifice could be too great for us to make for him? The people who believe this and, and, and follow him should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That's just common sense. That's what you do. And you feel in the sense of what Paul was called to and what he was doing in his heart, he gets this. I also think that Paul just sees things differently and I hope this morning he, God calls us to maybe look at things a little bit differently look at what he says in verse 16 so from now on we regard no one from a, a worldly that's a fleshly uh, earthly pers- point of view though we once regarded Christ in this way we do so no longer therefore if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come the old uh, has gone; the new is here. He's saying, "I don't. I don't look at people. I don't look at things from this this worldly perspective anymore. I, I I look at things with this heavenly perspective, this eternal perspective, with the the glasses on that allow me to see it in light of what Jesus is, what He's done for me. I have I have different lenses on, and it and it changes everything. Uh, <laughs> I." Uh, I guess it's been a couple of years now, now, our oldest boy. We were on our way down to church one Sunday morning. And, uh, and I looked over, and uh, his, his teeth looked yellow. And, you know, man, he was old enough. I was like, man, did you not brush your teeth this morning? And he said, yes, I brushed my teeth. Got kind of mad at me. I said, well, man, you didn't. I mean, your teeth, your teeth look yellow. Like, you, you, did, you didn't brush your teeth. No, I'll brush my teeth. So we went back and forth for a while. Then about the time we got here, I reached up and realized that the sunglasses I had on were the ones with kind of a red tint. And when I took them off and looked, man, his teeth were pearly white. And I was like, man, one of my proud daddy moments. I had, I had rebuked the kid and he had done his job and I just had my glasses on, the wrong glasses on. You know, what lenses we put in as we live, walk through life, it, it does. It affects everything. It affects everything. If we're looking at things with this temporal earthly perspective if this is it if this is it in our days on this planet that's it then you live life in a certain way but if it's not it if there is a heaven if it is eternal if the soul lives forever that that changes everything if we know the answer to the problem of sin if we know a God who is love who made it possible for us to be right with him if we know him it changes everything. Also, one time we, uh, we had a house that I thought was gray. And so we needed to paint the deck. And so I painted the deck gray. And it looked absolutely horrible. And so I went back to the hardware store and I said, man, I painted my, my house as gray. I painted the deck a shade darker. It doesn't look right. Something, something's not right. And he said, well, bring me some trim off of the house. So I brought it to him and he said, he looked at me, he looked back at it, looked at me and said, man, your house is green. And I said, no, it's not, my house is gray. He said, no, your house is green. And he took me outside and showed me the, the colors and the thing and he said, see, it's, it's green, it's not, it's not gray. And I realized all this time I thought I had a gray house. <laughs> man, I wonder if you took, for just a second, step back, looked at your schedule, looked at your life. Look at your priorities. If you looked at it, if you might, if you might step back and ask the, the Holy Spirit to really reveal to you the difference between a worldly perspective and an eternal heavenly perspective, what's off? Wonder if you're, you're living in a greenhouse but you think, you're, you think it's gray and some changes need to be made if you believe this is true. Hey, another thing just about his, the two big things, if you read, I just made another run through Acts just reading the story. Um, I just wanted to kind of catch up with all the th- different things that Paul went through and what had happened. And uh, two big things. I mean, one, we talked about uh, there was a lot of persecution. A lot of that was always happening to him. Bad, the hard stuff was always happening. Um, but also, he had a north star. You know, we, we talked about it. I mean, you're, you're going to take my gospel, Jesus said. You're going you're to take it to the Greeks and to the Jews. And, and that was a north star. He was headed that direction. But, man... Day to day, what happened? I mean, boy, was just, he, he was open, yes, on the table, to allow the Holy Spirit to take him. Now, he believed that the Holy Spirit was real and could lead him. In fact, I just want to read a short passage from Acts 16, because I think this kind of sums it up. And uh, there's going to be some names of towns in here that I'm going to butcher, so I just apologize on the front end. Uh, but l- listen to what happened. He says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of uh, Phrygia and uh, Galatia having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So already, so, so, man, they wanted to go to this place, but the Holy Spirit said, hey, don't go there. And when they came to the border of Mysa, they uh, tried to enter uh, Bithynia, But the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go there either. So they wanted to do this, but Jesus said no. The uh, Holy Spirit said no here. So they passed through Mysia and went to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Do you catch it i mean this is this is just a synopsis this is what acts feels like they are asking the holy spirit to lead them and they are responding to him with a yes when he says go here don't go there do this don't do that now it's it's been a little while ago that we did that series where we really focused in on on the book of acts and talking about the power of the holy spirit in our life but y'all Man, this is is the the kind of life that he's called us to, one where we believe the spirit of Almighty God is in us to lead us, to direct us, to empower us in a supernatural way. Paul's life, you see him stopping and asking and listening, and we're just rolling, (laughs) so there's no space for him to speak. What if you stopped and asked him to guide you? What might he say? Is there any space there for him to do that? The calling that you see is that he gets to, he just follows. And then uh, also seems like Paul is always speaking from experience, not in theory, but he's speaking from things that he, he knows experientially. Verse 18, for all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. All right, this word is over and over and over again in this little passage, that he's reconciled us, he's made us right with God through Christ and gave us then, we experienced it, now we have the ministry of reconciliation. That God was, this, he was doing this work, he was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us, given to us, granted us uh, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We represent him on this planet as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Paul had experienced in his own life He understood that reconciliation was possible, that the sin problem that we have that has separated us from a holy God, that being made right with him was possible. And it was possible in this Jesus. In his death and resurrection, now it's possible. And so he had experienced, in fact, another reading through, through Acts, you see that most of the time that Paul is talking, he's talking from personal testimony. He tells that story about the Damascus Road and all the things that happened. He tells that often. When he speaks about Jesus, he speaks from an experiential knowledge. This happened. He changed me. I'm different. Now I live this life because of it. And you too can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. This reconciliation, this message of reconciliation needs to go everywhere. He implores people. I implore you, be reconciled to God. It's possible. You know, when you know something like that and you've experienced it, it's really hard. I mean, earlier when he said, Christ's love compels us. Don't you feel compelled when you've experienced something that other people can share to share it with them? We... uh, those weeks when it got re- really crazy hot this summer our ac stopped working and um it also stopped working last year and I, I i got the guy to come out and and he said man it looks like you've got a leak in the in the coolant and you know that's going to be astronomical and it's going to be really difficult to find the leak and I'll I'll put some you know some coolant in there, and then we can try to see if it stays stable or what. But, man, sometimes there'll be a nail somewhere that just caught a little bit of the side of a tube, and then now you're losing your – I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be crazy expensive. And then before he does that, he looks at it, and he goes, oh, also this outside part, you can take a water hose and clean that off, and your, your unit will just run better. Okay. So this year when it broke and I went out there, I thought, oh, man, it, we, we've lost the, the coolant we got to have the guy come out. It's going to be that big, crazy number. But before I do that, I might just clean off the outside. So I got the water hose out, and I cleaned off that outside part. You know what? Went back inside, flipped on the switch, and our AC has been running great ever since. Now, if you didn't know that, uh, you can clean the outside of your AC unit, and it will run much better, and sometimes it will stop if it's not clean. You probably already knew that. I didn't know that. You can pay me for that later. But it, it saved me lots of money. And so you know what I like to do? I've told a lot of people about that. You should clean your AC unit because it will save you lots of money. That's what you do when you experience that something is good. You, you tell other people about it. By the way, also, if you've got a garbage disposal and it's not working, and you're tempted to take it out and replace it with a different one. First, you should probably get an Allen wrench because there's a little spot on the bottom of that thing that you can turn it and fix most problems with your, with your uh, garbage disposal. You can pay me for that one later too. You do it all the time when you've got good news like that and you've experienced something that's been really powerful and helpful to you. You, tell, you talk about it. That's what Paul's driven to do. I have experienced this thing. I have been reconciled. I've been made right with God. And the one reason he was so passionate before, he, he loved God. He wanted to be right with God. In the worldview that he was coming from, it was do this, 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 and maybe just maybe. But he knew he couldn't. He knew in his own power he wasn't good enough to be made right. That sin was still a problem. We're, we're the, we need a Messiah. And then Jesus shows up. And there's the answer. And he's experienced the answer to the problem. And so now, he can't be shut up. No matter if it's people throwing rocks at him, no matter if it's people throwing him in prison, no matter if it's people talking smack about him, about everything he says and everything he does, his persistence, his consistency, he's all in because it's worth it. And that's kind of the last thing I wanted to, to look at, just verse 21, that Paul knows the value of, he understands how valuable this thing is. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. I'm going to read that again real slow. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of god that we might become the righteousness of god be made right and reconciled to him and that is that's of infinite value right of infinite value and, you know, when you walk and you look at things and you don't value them, give a valuation that's correct, and you ascribe to something uh, a worth that's under what it's what it's really worthy of, that's not good. That's not right. And when something's worth a lot, it should be seen as and responded to in that way of something that's really worth a lot. It's, it's, it's heavy. I uh, Each year, there's this, this uh, group uh, in South Asia that I work with that... Uh, they, they spent a few weeks in Thailand. I've talked about that before. In fact, going, going back again, actually some other folks from the Grove are going to go as well and try to support and care for uh, that group. And last year I was there. I always try to bring something back for the, for the kids, you know. And uh, my older boys really like, you know, the shoes that, you, you, uh, way too expensive. And uh, I just, just a few weeks earlier before leaving, I was with one of them in a store where they had, they had the shoes in like plastic wrap have y'all seen this? And the prices on those shoes. I was like, really? I mean, I remember this shoe when I was in fourth grade. It, it was like 50 bucks. That was, that was 500. I don't understand. So I'm walking down the street in Thailand, and if you have walked down the street in Thailand before, there's a lot of street sellers, you know. Um, there's also a lot of these factories speci- uh, specifically with shoes that make the shoes there. So you don't know if the shoes they're selling on the street are stolen or, you know, fell off a truck or, or fakes, I don't ask a lot of questions, but I walked in. It was a, a, a brick-and-mortar store, you know, so I assume that it's legit. So I walk in, and man, sure enough, man, there's a sweet pair of Jordans. Uh, I knew one of my boys would like that. There's another pair. I'm like, all right, all right. But then I also know, in the art of bartering, which I absolutely love, that the more I can throw into this deal, the better better deal I'm gonna get per shoe. And uh, and my my slides, the the things that I you know wear around the house and to the pool or whatever, the plastic slides like they were in a bad shape. And I saw a pair up on a shelf. I'm like, oh, all right. How, what about those? And so he brought those down. Really liked them. Found a pair that fit me. And then I'm like, well, you know, Terry might like a pair of those too. So I, I threw that in the mix. And so then I made a deal with the whole mix. I think I, I really got him. Uh, and so I paid about $14 for these, for these slides. Then I go back to the meeting with this group and they're all, you know, college age, a little bit older than college age. And one guy walks up and he's like, oh man, where did you get those? Those retail for like $300. I said, really? Yeah. I looked it up, and I'm like, man, those things retail for $300. And then I felt like everybody was looking at me and judging me for wearing $300 plastic shoes. So then I had to go around and explain to everybody, I promise, I only pay $15. Isn't it crazy how two people can look at the same thing and ascribe a different value to it? Y'all, I'm asking you this morning, as you think about the gospel in your life and what it demands of your life, and of your moments and of your days, that we would ascribe to it the value that it's due. The Lamb who is worthy, who laid down His life, and loves you big, and also expects much, and He's worthy of it. So as we sing these uh, these songs, I pray that you would you think about that, and and maybe there's a response like. You know, communion's in the back and just thinking about that, uh, that moment to, to think about his, his death, his blood and his body that were spilt and broken for you. And just to consider the weight of it in your life. All right? Let me, let me pray that that would be true. Father, I, uh, I do. I, uh, I think that we take it for granted that we have been exposed and uh, been told this incredible good news that reconciliation is possible and um and then as we look at our life what it means for us now this this line that that those who get it should no longer live for themselves but for him jesus you are you are lord and and i want my life i want my friends lives i want this faith community to be one that is all-in, not in the shallows, but willing to, to dive headfirst and let you do with that whatever beautiful thing that you want to do so that others might know, so that the next person might also be reconciled to you, to glorify glory, Father. Amen.
0: Thanks again for joining us on our sermon podcast, and you can learn more about us at thegrovechurch.org. And if you go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect, there's a form you could fill out. Just let us know that you've been listening. And if you want to dig deeper on some of these topics that we cover in our sermon podcast or just in other Issues of dealing with culture or theology, those kinds of things, uh, you can check out our Cultivate podcast, which is on the same feed, um, however, you found this particular podcast. So, again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at the Grove, and thank you so much for joining us.